0: Honestly, if you've listened to every episode of the podcast, that makes me kind of your new DBS. They say the girls have more fun, but they never met the boys. This is Boy Talk. Boy Talk. This is Boy Talk. What's up, bitches? I am back with a new episode this week. I hope everyone is doing well. I hope you're doing good. I hope you're taking care of yourself. I hope things are going well for you. It's midterms week for me, so I've been struggling, but you know, just that college grind, the usual. With that being said, I do have some fun news. I actually got my vaccine. The COVID-19 vaccine, I was able to get it early, which I'm so excited for. I actually went back to work recently, so I am working with the public, which made me qualify to go get a shot in the state of New York. So I'm super excited. I have my vaccine. It went really well for me. I've been pro-vaccine my whole life. That's never going to change. I believe in science. We support science here at Boy Talk. And yeah, I've always gotten a flu shot, so wasn't weird wasn't anything different for me i knew as soon as the shot was going to be ready i would be in line to get it so i'm so glad it was finally my turn one way that you can get yours earlier which is what i had been doing is calling the local drugstores stores and asking if they had any leftover vaccines i know that there's been a bunch of reports you can find it anywhere on the internet that a lot of places have been throwing away vaccines because they didn't have people showing up to appointments or they would open a vial and the end of the day would come and there wouldn't be anyone who needed or wanted a vaccine. And so they just toss it all. And so when I called a drugstore near me, they were like, actually, yes, we have a bunch left over that's gonna be expiring soon. So come get a shot now, which is really awesome. And I was so grateful for it. The shot that I got was the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, which was recently just FDA approved. And it's the one-shotter, so I don't have to go back. It was one shot, I'm good, I'm done. I had to wait like a week to two weeks for the full, you know, immunity of the vaccine to go through. But yeah, it was a great experience. I went in, sat down, gave them my info. They came and gave me a shot. That simple. It's just like going and getting a flu shot. As far as the symptoms go, I've been getting a lot of questions because I've been open about it on my social media that I got the vaccine. You're gonna have an immune response because your body is learning how to fight the RNA that makes COVID so unique and so special. That's why COVID has been so deadly. It's a new virus that our bodies have never dealt with before. So my immune response was the basics. I got a little bit of a fever. It wasn't bad, like a 101 at its max. I had body aches. I had chills and sweats. I had a light headache, but nothing wild. It was just a basic immune response. I was tired and sleepy, but like, I still went to work and I cleaned my apartment and I had to study for a midterm and I took the midterm, so like, I'm good. And now it's been over 48 hours while I'm recording this and I feel fantastic. My arm is sore where I got the shot still, but besides that, I'm 100%, I'm good to go. With that being said, while we're talking about the vaccines, we do also have to do our part until we reach a herd mentality. and. Officials give us the go-away. We all need to still continue to wear our mask, wash our hands, use hand sanitizer, practice social distancing, be safe, be smart. Like I said here at Boy Talk, we believe in science. So let's follow the precautions. Let's keep each other safe and let's do what we need to do and do our parts. And when it's your turn to get the vaccine, please go and get it. Make sure you talk with your health professionals. I'm not a doctor, of course. You need to make sure that you are healthy and the vaccine is right for you. All that good stuff. But when it's your turn, please go and get your vaccine. But that's it for that update. Uh, I was super excited about it. So I just want to share with you all and tell you guys how it went for me. But this podcast is coming out a day late. My apologies. Like I said, it's midterm week. I got the vaccine. It's been a disaster. But here I am. We have the podcast and we're going. I'm going to blame the podcast being late on the fact that I'm gay because everyone knows that gays, we suck at time management. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just not good at it. I would rather go get coffee than show up on time for anything and all that garbage. So that's what I'm going to blame it on. Well, it's probably more because I'm unreliable and lazy. <laughs> if I'm just going to be honest, it's nothing to do with the fact that I'm gay. It's just because I'm unreliable and lazy and, um, you know, fell off the track on things I needed to get done this week. So here we are, you know, a day late. But I'm gonna blame it on being gay anyways because that's the stereotype, right? Gays love being late to everything. So this week, I decided we're gonna talk about the GBF and all of the other stereotypes that go with LGBTQ plus people. So (laughs) let's get into it. Shameless plug. Yes, it's me begging again for your attention and your affection. I need your guys' help. I am doing this on my own. I am sitting in my New York City apartment at my desk with Four pieces of foam board to make sure the audio sounds okay. I bought them off of Amazon. I have no sponsor for this podcast. I am paying everything out of pocket. So please, 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 if you love what I'm doing, the content is making a difference in your life. You enjoy the weekly episodes. Please give it a like. Please subscribe. Please download it. Please share it with your friends. Tag me on social media when you share it. Yeah, leave a review if you haven't yet because... All that stuff really helps, it really matters. We were able to peak at 17 on the charts at one point. We were normally up in the 30s. We've been a little off cause I took a week off and I obviously today uploading late doesn't help either. So, you know, I'm a little tripped over here, but you guys liking, commenting, sharing, downloading is what really counts to get this podcast out there so more people can learn. So please, please, please support me. It means the world to me and I'm so grateful for it. Alrighty, let's jump into it. LGBTQ stereotypes. Before we jump right into the specifics of the LGBTQ world, right, we need to talk about what stereotypes are at their core, because how can we have the discussion if we aren't on the same page of what a stereotype is? So, this is how I like to think about it. This isn't a definition from a dictionary or anything, this is literally just my own words. I think of stereotypes as an attempt for us to categorize a group of people based on false assumptions. So I'm going to repeat that. A stereotype is an attempt to categorize a group of people based on false assumptions. And what's so dangerous about stereotypes, because at their core, stereotypes are just a way of categorizing people. But what makes it so dangerous is that it ends up leading to bias. And that's when it gets toxic, right? So stereotypes and bias, unfortunately, are actually normal to the human experience they're not good. I'm not sitting here saying that you should stereotype people and that having bias is a good thing. It's actually really bad. And that's why we need to all be aware that stereotyping and bias happens naturally. And we have to correct it. I remember I learned a lot about this in some of my trainings when I worked at my university in undergrad. And we did a bunch of diversity and inclusion courses. And we had a lot of like, really awesome professionals talk to us about this. But I learned that Stereotyping and bias actually is a biological response, right? So what happens is that our brain, we have learned how to categorize things as a way of survival. Like we learned that certain berries are poisonous and we can't eat those. And we learned that certain colors are dangerous and we shouldn't mess with those types of animals or those leaves or whatever. That stereotype has also been pushed into other parts of our world, and we've used it to categorize other things, which creates that bias, right? But that's what I'm saying is that stereotyping is normal and natural, we all do it. Our brains are wired to do it, and that's why we have to combat it, because it's bad. It ends up telling us things that isn't true. They're based off of false assumptions that we have made around our world, things that we have either been taught by people who are hateful or didn't realize what they were teaching you was incorrect, or there are things that we have implicitly learned, meaning like it wasn't actually something that someone said, hey, learn this, you just picked it up throughout your life and now you have this feeling or you have this this prepositioned idea about someone or something based off of assumptions that you're just making. There's no factual evidence. And that's what makes biases and stereotypes so hard to combat is because they're naturally occurring and you don't even realize that you have them until you actually stop and force yourself to think about it. Like where is this feeling or thought coming from and why am I feeling this feeling and why is this thought in my head, right? So now that we have a better understanding of what stereotypes are and how they lead to bias and all that, let's jump into how it affects the LGBTQ community. Before we jump into specific examples, let's start with the GBF. So if you don't know what a GBF is, it stands for gay best friend, right? I personally don't mind being called a GBF when it's humorous or funny, like when it's with my close friends or other LGBTQ identifying people or whatever, like totally cool with me. I laugh it off. I obviously refer to myself as a GBF on my social media because that's kind of the role I'm playing for a lot of people. I'm teaching heterosexual people a lot about the LGBTQ plus community. I'm also teaching other LGBTQ plus people about terminology and things that I've learned and stuff I wish I would have been exposed to. So I don't mind it, but at its core, the GBF is a stereotype which has created bias and has been toxic towards our community. So where did the GBF come from, right? There are countless studies that you can find on the internet, if you don't believe me, of course, but it started in the media. In the 90s and early 2000s, all of these script writers decided to start writing in gay side characters. They were always the side character who was there to support the main characters, and they were very, very stereotypical LGBTQ gay males, right? So they were normally white, they were normally feminine, they were very super hypersexualized, Super super duper feminine, like, yes, Queen, which like, if that's you, awesome, but not everyone who's LGBTQ, especially gay males, not everyone's like that. And it just was straight up a huge stereotype. Like they were all always into fashion and drinks and talking about men and boys and sex and lovers and like all that stuff is fun. I mean, I'm a gay male who has a podcast about sex and culture and fun and talking about men and whatever. But at the end of the day, it's a stereotype. Not everyone is like that who is LGBTQ. You don't have to be to be a gay male. You don't have to be feminine. You don't have to be super sexual. You don't have to be in the fashion. You don't have to be any of these stereotypes. But it's not just gay men who face these issues. It happens across the entire LGBTQ population. So let's talk about some of those stereotypes. For my lesbians, we always hear jokes about how lesbian girls are in flannels and they have buzzed hair and they all want to get arm sleeve tattoos and that they're just this rugged, gruff, they only drink their coffee black and just this non-realistic image of what it means to be lesbian. Same thing happens with people who are bisexual. There's constant jokes about people who are bisexual as just being confused and unable to decide. Guys who are bisexual are seen as more feminine. And then girls who are bisexual are seen as more masculine. Like, they have to be a little more rougher and tougher. You can't be super feminine and a bisexual woman, apparently. And it even gets harder when we talk about our transgender friends. Basically, transgender people are being placed on this spectrum of stereotypes where they're either super passing, meaning like, you can't tell they're transgender, or they're super not passing, saying that you can really tell that they're transgender. And that's the only forms that exist out there in the world for trans people when you look at stereotypes. And it's just, it's so unfair and it's so untrue. And there's so many other groups in the LGBTQ plus community who are facing these stereotypes, but at its core, it's hurting them. Stereotypes can be very negative to a community. So why is stereotyping so bad? I keep saying it, I keep mentioning that these stereotypes are toxic, they're negative, we need to get rid of them, whatever. Well, why? First off, I wanna say, listen, we all love laughing and making jokes, okay? I don't wanna hear anyone being like, this is such a snowflake episode. No, I'm just trying to educate you and I'm trying to help everyone understand the difference between stereotyping and just being toxic and hateful, right? I like making jokes too. I'll make jokes with my other friends. It's okay to joke about your own identities, and I think that's what's so important, like, I'm a gay male, I feel like I have the right to make jokes about being a gay male, but I would never in my life ever try to crack a joke about someone who's bisexual or lesbian or transgender, because that's not my life, it's not my battle, I don't know that experience, it's not my place. But even at that, my joke is a joke. And I normally make them with my close friends and family. People who actually know me that I don't have to explain myself to, they know that the joke is a joke and it isn't meant to be anything more or less. But the stereotypes can be super toxic because they end up creating some standards that are just unacceptable and unattainable at most times. Like, it's so sad how crazy some of these stereotypes get. There are people who don't even know how to identify sexually anymore because they're like well I can't be gay I am too masculine I I lift weights and I have a beard so there's no way or well I can't be a lesbian because I love doing my makeup and wearing dresses and being super feminine and flirty The way you choose to express your gender identity has nothing to do with your sexual orientation, but unfortunately these stereotypes are so ingrained into our society that people feel like if they don't fit into a certain box, they don't have the right or the ability to identify as something that they are. And the stereotypes continue to get worse and worse. A great example I like to look at is like, gay males right now, right? There are so many gay men who are trying to be super hyper masculine to the point where it's toxic. And the reason why it's happening is so many of them are afraid to be portrayed as or seen as too feminine because we're growing up in a society where to be gay, you have to be hyper feminine. Absolutely not. Whatever your gender expression is, however you feel comfortable, that's what you should be doing. And guess what? You can still identify as a gay person. You can still be gay and be whatever gender identity you want to be. Same thing is happening with lesbians. There's this huge sense of imposter syndrome amongst lesbians who do enjoy being feminine. I have a lot of friends who identify as lesbian who tell me that they thought to be a lesbian they would have to like chop their hair off and wear a flannel and buy a pair of boots. That's not the case that you expressing your gender identity has nothing, nothing to do with that sexual orientation. And it continues for every part of our group. And it's just so alarming that we haven't talked more about it and about how bad stereotypes really can affect people's identities. And that's why we're having this conversation today. We have so many issues that we are facing. And when you're LGBTQ+, it's already hard enough as you're discovering that, becoming okay with it, embracing it, sharing it, enjoying it. Then you have to add on this new pressure of like, well, am I good enough? Do I fit society's standard enough? And it's time that we together end that vicious cycle of trying to fit into something that we are not and just start loving who we are and embracing that we are all unique, different people. And that's what makes us beautiful. That's what makes us all Amazing! It's what makes you, you, right? And so with that being said, I just want to put it out there that you're valid. However you want to express yourself, however you choose to express yourself, whatever feels right to you, you're valid. So if you are a masculine gay, awesome, you're valid. If you're a feminine gay, (laughs) you're valid. And if you're non-gender conforming and gay, you're valid. Same thing with being a feminine or masculine lesbian, or non-gender conforming lesbian. You are still valid. If you're bisexual, your gender expression also doesn't matter. You can be as feminine, masculine, or mixed as you want to be with it, because it doesn't matter, you're still bisexual. And for my trans friends, no matter where you are in your journey to being comfortable in who you are and in your skin and your body, you are valid. You don't have to be anything but yourself. And the people who love you will love you. And as a society, we need to do better about embracing that everyone is unique and different, and it doesn't matter if they don't fit that box, that stereotype that you think that they need to fit. They're still valid. So with that being said, I'm gonna get off of that soapbox for a moment. And I wanted to tell you guys a little bit about my own personal story and my own personal journey with all of this gender identity, sexual identity, hoopla. So back in high school, I came out when I was a sophomore, beginning of my sophomore year of high school. So I was 15, just turned 16, something like that. And I remember at that point, I came out to my mom and my brothers when I was way younger, like 12, 13, 14. And I came out publicly because I was like, well, my best friends all know, my family all knows, I don't really care what anyone else thinks. So I came out and I was super happy, super proud of it, whatever. And I'm still finding myself. And I remember I actually latched on to a lot of the stereotypes of what being gay was or what I perceived being gay to be. Like I distinctly remember <laughs> I would literally talk in a higher pitch tone. Like my voice is naturally this range where we're talking right now, but... I would talk like this because I thought that like I should talk like this because that's what everyone told me being gay was, was like talking like this. And I remember my voice actually hurt. (laughs) Like my voice actually hurt a lot. And it's nothing against anyone who has a higher pitch voice. I just don't. But I literally would force my voice to go up. And I don't know why, but I just felt like I had to. Another thing was the way I dressed. I used to try to wear really, really, really tight clothing. And there's nothing wrong with that if you enjoy tight fitting clothing, but I hated it. I don't like my clothing to be super duper tight. I like comfort. Like you can catch me in a pair of sweatpants almost every day. Like I'm not over here trying to wear super tight clothing. Like even on the streets, like my jeans are a little looser. Like I like wearing more athletic pants. Like I'll wear like joggers or, you know, some, like, sweat suits. Like, I'm not into really tight clothing. But I made myself because I was trying to fit a stereotype. I remember some of my favorite things to do was to get coffee with the girls and to go shopping. And, like, I literally made this whole facade personality around the stereotype of being gay. And I know it's not just the me things. Maybe it is. Maybe you listeners listen to this and you're like, wow, like, what a weird, desperate attempt at your sexuality, like, what a weirdo. Okay, great, awesome, maybe I'm exposing myself for being a weirdo. But if this is something that resonates with you or if you know somebody who's going through this right now, I think it's more common than we talk about. A lot of my friends I've discussed this with have had that same experience. Same thing with like, when I was like a senior in high school and the freshman class was in the building and I you knew which ones were gay, because they were doing that. They were literally going through that same cycle of stereotype. I don't even know what to call it. It's just vicious and, and harmful. I remember it got to the point where being gay became my main identifier. Like, people just talked about me as being a gay guy. Because that was my, my thing. So, I remember one day, I was a junior at this point now in high school. And I was a TA for my science teacher. I had her for chemistry, but she also taught freshman science. And so I would like help grade papers for her, help set up the lab experiments, cleaning up the lab room, that kind of stuff. I was in her freshman class grading papers, chilling or whatever, and this freshman girl came in and she's like, oh my god, Gay Cody, my friends from so-and-so know you, like blah, 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 And like I chatted with her about it because at that point I was, already doing stuff on social media and people were already talking about me in my small town of Ohio. So like, I was used to people being like, Oh my God, my friends know you from a different school or whatever. And I was like, ha that's super cool. I do know them too. Like, let's chat. Conversation ended and the girls sat down and whatever the class began, they were taking an exam or something. That's why I was grading other tests from an earlier period that day. And so my teacher sat down and she looked over at me and she said, that was really sad. And I was so confused. I was like, what do you mean that was really sad? What was sad? And she was like, well, they refer to you as gay Cody. And I kind of laughed and I was like, well, yeah, my name's Cody and I am gay. Something that she obviously knew I had had a boyfriend the previous year. I was out to the school. The staff all knew that I was gay. And she's like, well, Cody, I think it's a little sad because you're a lot more than just gay and it hit me I am so much more than just being gay do not get me wrong I love who I am I have embraced that I am a gay male I love being part of the community I am boy crazy I have a podcast called boy talk which you're listening to right now but it hit me that I was more than just my sexuality Like I was a whole ass person who was also gay. Like I was also funny and nice and smart. And I was also the youngest brother and a son and a best friend. I didn't have to just be gay because I wasn't just gay. So once I had that mentality of like, wow, I'm more than just my sexuality. I remember spending most of my senior year of high school and my freshman year of college really cultivating my truest self. Because I had lost him when I was a teenager and was figuring out my sexuality and trying to live in my small town of Ohio. And it just was a disaster. So when I finally had the time to really focus on it, I got back to who I truly was. And a lot of it was stuff that I had been missing for so long. Like, I always roughhoused with my brothers, and I stopped doing stuff like going fishing and messing around in the mud, riding four-wheelers, like, little things like that. Like, my grandpa owns a farm. Like, I used to just go out there and rough and tough with everyone, and I stopped doing that because I was like, oh, that's not gay. Huh? Like, I love doing that stuff, and I just stopped because I didn't think it fit into being gay. Same thing with I stopped doing stuff I didn't like doing. I stopped wearing really tight clothing. I let my facial hair grow in because the only reason I was shaving it was because I thought that I looked more appealing to men if I didn't have facial hair. At the end of the day, I like my facial hair. And it's better for my skin when I let it grow out because if you have facial hair, shaving it, sometimes you get acne from it. So I stopped shaving it. And it was like, wow, this is so nice to like have a beard and not feel weird about it. I started doing things that I loved doing like working out and lifting my oldest brother played football and was a wrestler and he always wanted me to do sports and i gave all of that up and i avoided all that because i felt like it didn't fit into the persona i was trying to be and it's sad that it took all the way till college for me to figure that out but i'm so glad that i did and so then during college i got to be in touch with my truest self and i wouldn't want it any other way And that's what makes stereotypes so concerning and alarming. We're teaching people that to love yourself or to be happy with who you are, to fit into this community or group, you have to be a certain thing. You do not. I'm here to tell you that. You are valid just the way you are. Don't let anyone convince you anything else. Also, something I want to add is that a lot of these opinions, thoughts, and feelings around the stereotype and spectrum stuff all comes from a model by Kinsley, who is a psychologist. The Kinsley scale is a real theory. It exists, it's been used for years, decades, and basically it describes sexuality on a spectrum. But a lot of scholars, I remember a lot of LGBTQ scholars at my old undergrad and I had used it to explain other things like gender identification. That makes the world make so much more sense when you recognize that it is not black and white. It is not gay or straight, everything is a spectrum. Just like it's not male and female. There is a spectrum of genders. You fit where you fit. I think we'll make a whole podcast episode on that because I am running out of time this episode. But yeah, if you have time, you want more resources, definitely look up The Kinsley Model. It's fantastic. I actually wrote a story for the Kent State newspaper. called Somewhere in the Galaxy, where I talk about spectrum theory with uh, sexual identities and gender identity. So if you want to learn a little bit more, you can go check that out. And then, of course, you will always DM me. We can talk about it. But yeah, definitely read up on that if you don't know about Kinsley. He's a fantastic psychologist. righty, so let's move into some cool questions of the week. If you're new to the podcast or you don't know how to get in contact with me, let's go through it real quick. You can find me on TikTok, Instagram at o h O-H-H-K-O-D-Y. And you can either DM me on Instagram or you can comment on any of my TikTok videos. Or you can find me at boytalk underscore podcast on Instagram and DM me there. Regardless, Instagram, you're going to DM me. TikTok, you're going to comment on the videos. That is where I pull the questions of the week. All right, so let's get into it. First question this week. Someone asked me on TikTok, how do you incorporate the balls into sloppy toppy, right? I think this is a fantastic question because I think the balls always end up getting ignored. So first thing I'm going to say is yes, you should incorporate them. If you are dating someone who is a proud owner of balls, they will get pleasure from them. Not everyone will like it, so obviously you need to talk with your partner first, get the consent, make sure it's something they're interested in trying, exploring, or doing. But once you have that green light, you should do it. Basically, the ball sack is super, super sensitive. It has lots of nerve endings on it, right? So just about anything will make it feel great. So if you're already down there and you're giving head, you're doing a sloppy toppy, you're getting all the slobber everywhere, you know what I mean? Like you're going real good, you're getting that gluck in, like whatever you need to do, it's happening. You should also lick the balls. You can lick on them, you can suck on them, you can massage them with your hand. Regardless, it's gonna feel good for your partner. I think one of the best things that you can do is to almost put them in your mouth and just kind of lick on them. Which sounds really weird and gross and I'm kinda of just laughing at myself as I'm talking about it. But a lot of sex is weird and gross. But yeah, if you just do that, that is always a good signature. If you're real experienced and you're good at deep throating, one of my other favorite tricks that always makes a guy go wild is literally deep throating them. So like taking their whole, you know, dingling all the way down and using your tongue to lick their balls while you're down there. It's not something that a beginner can get down, but with practice and time, you should be able to do it. It's a lot of fun. So I hope that helps. Sorry if you didn't want to hear about how to lick balls today, you just did. Congratulations, now you know. Another question that I recently received was someone asking, what do you do after kissing if you're not being intimate with your partner? So this is tough because it's not a fun answer, but it's a truthful answer is that you let it deescalate, right? So if you and your partner aren't being intimate yet, you're taking it slow, you're taking your time, maybe you don't want to be more intimate than just kissing with this person, that's fine. Totally cool. My suggestion is this. If you're cuddling in bed and doing it or you're on a couch or whatever, more intimate setting, enjoy the makeout session, have fun, be super cuddly, You know, maybe rub the shoulders, rub the chest. You know, maybe if you're comfortable enough and they consent, like go down and rub the thigh, butt area, through clothing, of course, like no one's naked yet, we're just kissing. That's how you should do it. And then slowly let the kissing go from less intense making out to back to normal kissing, back to just some pecs, and then cuddle it out. Cuddling is your best friend for when you don't want to go further, or you're not interested, or you don't want to feel like shallow or cut off. Like even after sex, If you feel like there's awkwardness, just resort to cuddling, like curl up next to them, pull them next to you and just cuddle and be like, wow, that was great. I'm ready to now like curl up with you. Like take five minutes just to lay with each other. So even after kissing, that would be my thing is just take that time to enjoy being with each other. If it's more of a public space, one, you probably shouldn't be making out with them there. But if you are more power to you, I love that for you. But... I think at that point, you just kind of like let it end quickly and just be like, wow, you're so hot or wow, I love that. Like something affirmative and positive that makes it feel like, wow, that was good and enjoyable. But also like that's over now. Like it sets that like, hey, like I'm ready to be done moment. So I don't know if that helps because these questions sometimes are really general. That's why I gave you a bunch of stuff to work with. But I hope you took something from it. I hope it helps you. And then the final question this week I'm going to answer is all about overthinking your partner's feelings. So someone asked me, what do I do if I can't stop overanalyzing, like, the way my partner is feeling? Example being, like, there's nothing wrong, but I keep asking if something is. Like, I just feel like there is. This is a hard question, the answer, right? I'm not a licensed therapist. I'm not a professional. I'm just speaking from my own experience. I do know that most times when you are someone who is super hyper-focused on other people's feelings and emotions, it's normally trauma-related. It's normally from, you know, having a bad ex or having a, uh, you know, emotionally straining relationship with a family member of some sort or a close relative or just a friend in your life who made you feel like you have to constantly be checking in on other people's emotions. But obviously I can't tell you if you do have that or not. I would definitely talk to a professional about it. I mean, I went to trauma therapy and it was one of the best decisions I made in my entire life. But yeah, what I would tell you is this. It's not your responsibility to navigate your partner's emotions. If your partner is a healthy person, which... They should be, and if they're not, they should be working towards becoming a more healthy person. They should be able to express what they need to you. And when they need it, you don't have to navigate their feelings. You don't have to ask them every 10 minutes how they're feeling. You have to trust that they will tell you. Because a healthy partner will tell you how they're feeling. A great example is like, I remember I talked to an ex who made me constantly ask them how they were feeling. It was always a guessing game. And so I just was always so exhausted because I was always like, are you mad now? Are you happy now? Are you sad now? And it's not your job. My job is to support you and love you. And if you're having a bad day, you should tell me that. Another great example is, like, what I do now in my current relationship. Like, I will tell my partner, like, hey, I'm super frustrated right now with work or school or something that's going on. So if I'm a little standoffish or quiet, not your problem. Like, I'm just, I got to process this on my own. And vice versa. Sometimes I'll be like, hey, I need a little extra support right now, bub. Like, I'm going through something hard based off of work, school, life. Like, I would love if we just sat down and we cuddled or you played with my hair or... You made dinner tonight, so I don't have to worry about cooking. Like, healthy partner relationships work like that. You express what your needs and feelings are. So don't ever worry about having to guess your partner's feelings. They should be telling them to you. So I hope that helps. I hope it wasn't too deep. I hope you learned something from it, okay? Shameless plug time again. Y'all, I really do hate asking, but please, if you have not yet, download this episode, download all the episodes, stream all the episodes. Please, please, please leave a like, leave a review, leave a comment. There are thousands of you listening, and I only have hundred and some reviews on Apple Podcast, which I appreciate and I don't want to sound ungrateful for, those hundred and some that you guys have done mean the world to me, but if you are listening to this and you're enjoying it, please, please go leave a review, even if you just download Apple Podcasts to delete it, like, I love Spotify, I'm a Spotify user, so I get it if you don't use Apple Podcasts, but help a brother out, I need it, I appreciate you all, it means the world to me, I can't do this without you, I only do it for you guys, so anything helps, so thank you, thank you, thank you. Alrighty, y'all. That is the end of this week's episode. I hope that you learned something new. I hope that you got something out of this. Please, please, please have a great week. Be safe. I love you. Take care. And we will talk next week. Have a good one, bitches.